I have what it says I have, and I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible, so I make this as a confession. I will meditate in it day and night, Monday through Friday, chapter in the morning, chapter in the evening. And because I do, I declare my life is blessed. Oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch will turn to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Man, there, there's an anointing in here, glory to God. Bible says if you decree a thing, so shall it be established. Father, we thank you for this, another opportunity to receive a word from you. We pray that revelation knowledge will flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We take authority over this service. We pray that not one person will leave the same way that they came. They'll see something in the scriptures. They'll hear something by the Holy Spirit that literally turns their life into the right direction. We pray over every relationship represented. Husbands, wives, sons, and daughters, mothers mothers and fathers, children that are present. We pray over work relationships, church relationships, and we refuse to allow the devil place in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Father, to move in hearts today by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to jump right into it. We're concluding today what has been one of the greatest uh, series of teaching that has ever come out of Faith Family Church, Understanding Babel. Um, I, I had started out praying about writing a book, uh, and I'm going to continue praying about that, but I've got to the point where I want God to want me to write a book. I only want to do what he tells me to do, but I want God to want me to write a book. So if he says, yeah, I'm going to jump in it with, all, uh, with both feet, praise God. I've spent um, pretty much all my, more than my adult life, over half of my adult life, preaching the gospel. But outside of the pulpit, the number one thing that I've done is, is counseling, and particularly counseling marriages. And these teachings, these tools that I've given you over these past eight weeks are they work number one um, and their result of just over 20 years of, of, of counseling in communication you need three tools just like you know what a hammer is a, a wrench is just like you know what a screwdriver is you need to know that in communication if, if there's a problem in your house and you need to fix it generally communication is going to be what you have to use to get it fixed. Whether it be husband to wife, parent to child, communication skills are key to life. And there are tools that God has given us. Listening on three dimensions is a tool God's given you to communicate on the next level. These rules of engagement, six rules of engagement, that's a lot to remember, especially a year from now, right? So thank God for being able to put it on a wall. These six rules are tools. Like if you go outside these rules, you're really outside the boundary of God's help. Any help you get is by the mercy of God because you're breaking his commandments, his instructions about how to talk to people. And then the last that I, I give you today is a tool 
and maybe we'll look at it in a different series, it's the, com- the tool of communicating with love and respect. The fundamental scripture Jesus taught about communication, and in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37, he said, but let your communication, somebody say communication. He said, let your communication be yay, yay, and nay, nay. Watch me nay, nay, y'all. Watch me nay, nay. I still ain't going on YouTube to look it up, so I don't know what it looks like. You could be up here doing something, I don't know what you're doing, right? Uh, yeah, but watch me, man. I, think, I don't think they got that from the Bible, but it's in the Bible. Jesus said, let your communication be yes, yes, and no, no. And whatever is more than these cometh the evil, cometh of evil. In the New King James, it says, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the devil. It's from the evil one. So when you say yes and you mean no, and you say no and you mean yes, that, that through one means or another, was the enemy putting thoughts or temptations in your mind to cause you to say something you don't mean and mean something you don't say. And that really messes communication up. When you say yes, when you really mean no. And when you say no, and you really mean yes. So we've been talking about communication, and one of the major points that we have made is that Jesus taught concerning communication to say what you mean and mean what you say, Right? He also taught that the devil is the father of lies. In John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He's a liar and he's the father of it. So when we say something we don't mean, when we mean something we don't say, the devil is involved, right? With that in mind, please look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Talking about saying something you don't mean and meaning something you don't say. In Psalm 34, 12 through 13, in the King James it says, What man is he that desires to have a good life? And that would love many days, a long life. That he would see good. I want to ask you, how many of you want a good life that you'll live a long time and that you'll see good days. Well, he says the answer to that question is in verse, that the God that, that, that this is referring to is in verse 13. Stanza 13 says, well, then keep your tongue from saying the wrong things. If you want to have a good life, if you want to live long and you want the days on earth to be good in your life, then keep your tongue from speaking evil. That means you can't cuss nobody out no more. Come on, somebody. Don't make me roll up my sleeves in here today. Don't be speaking evil. Amen. And we know that it goes beyond cuss words, right? There's other things that can cause communication to be filthy or of the evil one. He said, then keep, if you want good and experience good in this life, then keep your tongue from evil and also keep your lips from speaking guile. Now, guile probably is an old English word. Um, I don't use guile in my text messages, okay? We don't use it except for in church. And so really when you get to one of those kinds of words that really 
is unfamiliar, you got to look it up and find out exactly what he's talking about. Because if you want to have a good life and live long and experience good days, then you need to keep your mouth from speaking evil and keep your lips from speaking guile. Somebody say guile. Let me give you what the Hebrew word means here. Comes from a Hebrew word that means in the sense of deceiving. Don't say things that are deceptive or misleading. Or fraudulent. It refers to deceit, treachery, and of crafty speech. So this word guile is talking about saying the wrong things. Saying things, saying, you know what? Guile is saying something you don't really mean. It's talking about speaking something that's not true. So in the heat of the moment, you say, I hate you. And then when we calm down and let the dust settle and we talk about it, whether with or without a counselor, come to find out you really love that person. And if you would be honest from your heart, not your emotions, but if you would be honest from your heart, you would say, I don't really hate you. I'm just hurting. I don't like how you've been handling this and how you've been treating me. I was a bank teller a long time ago, Southfield, Michigan, Telecom Credit Union. In between summer, I would work at the bank. And uh, one day, this young lady pulled into the thing, kind of rushed in. It was like midday or whatever. And she sent the box up, and it was a check and a deposit slip, but no license. So, well, you know the protocol. You got to send a license. So... I just took the stuff out and I sent the box back. I didn't say nothing. I just sent the box back. And she looked up and I said, oh, I need your license, ma'am. She said, I hate you. I felt it. I don't even know this lady. I don't know if I ever ha- I don't know if I've ever helped that lady before. I remember that to this day. I, it went all through me. <laughs> She sent that box back, and I did that transaction, man. (laughs) I don't know why I told you. Well, because I'm using the word hate, you know. So, guile is saying something you don't mean. Look at it in Psalm 32, stanza 2. King James, he says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is is no what? Guile. This word guile comes from a different Hebrew word, which means deceit, treachery, especially of speech. So again, even though he's talking about having no guile in your spirit, guile refers to deceit as it relates to saying something, like saying something misleading. Jesus taught us that out of the abundance of our heart, The mouth speaks. And so not only do you not want guile in your mouth, you don't want it in your heart. Because it's going to come out of your mouth. And you don't want to say something that you don't really mean in communication because it contaminates it. It corrupts it. (laughs) You know, in Psalm uh, 32, stanza 2, in the New King James, it again says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. 
We studied over months and months about the blessing of the Lord. How many of you all, by show of hands, you watch or have watched Wednesday night live service? All hands all over. Are you all excited about the blessing of the Lord? So then when we, those of us that highly value the blessing and log in on Wednesday nights, when we hear or see any scripture that talks about you're blessed if this happens or you're blessed if that happens, come on, we want to find out what it is and we want to do what it says because we want to experience words spoken in our lives that enable us to prosper and to succeed. And God says you're blessed when you don't say what you don't mean. God says you're blessed when you don't speak misleading. With all of this in mind, I want to talk to you today about sarcasm. Brother Keith Moore, maybe three weeks ago, he's been preaching on the power of your words. Don't know what he's going to preach this week or next week. Pray that he goes that line, but whichever way he goes, it doesn't matter. But he's been talking about sarcasm and the power of your words. Have you ever wondered why some of the prayers you pray don't get answered? Have you ever wondered why certain miracles haven't happened yet? Have you ever wondered why things haven't really worked out the way that you've believed? The answer is about one inch under your nose. (laughs) Let me give you an illustration like this. God essentially has to turn down the power of your words. Lest you say good today and bad tomorrow and both come to pass. That about tickled me to death. And you laid up in some hospital room because everything you say comes to pass. You ain't never going to be nothing. What if that came to pass? You don't want that to happen. I'll never get married. Whoa! If you believe in and want to be, don't ever let those words come out of your mouth. Seems like if I get one foot forward, I always get two taken back. Whoa, man, don't say that because you'll take a step forward and get knocked back too. You'll never get ahead that way. So what God, y'all got to help me now. So what God has to do is turn down the power of your words. He has to give angels assignment to buffer. Well, you can't bring to pass everything they say because some things they say don't work. So just turn down the power on all of it until they learn from, from Brother Keith and Pastor Stan how to get this thing right. <laughs> because if you want to love life and if you want to see good days, then don't speak what you don't want. I'm preaching better y'all saying amen today. I did not know this about sarcasm. Oh my gosh. I am literally now trying to change the way that I talk. Because I've now learned over the past two weeks that I use sarcasm a lot. Look at the definition of sarcasm. It refers to the use of words that mean the opposite of what you really want to say. (laughs) Can you imagine that? That's what we've been talking about all series long, is saying something you don't really mean. Sarcasm refers to the use of words that mean the opposite of what you really want, especially in order to insult someone, to show irritation. Or just to be funny. And I think I've been on all three of those. 
And the thing that had been getting me the most is just the be funny part. I don't really mean that. But I said that. Sarcasm is an ironic, satirical remark tempered by humor. Mainly, people use it to say the opposite of what's true, to make someone look or feel foolish. People use it to say the opposite of what's true, to make someone look foolish or to feel foolish. Sarcasm is defined as a sneering or cutting remark. Fittingly, the word sarcasm comes from the ancient Greek word sarcasine, which meant to tear flesh. That verb became a metaphor for speaking bitterly. While we always hear that sticks and stones can't break our bones, even the ancient Greeks, this is from the internet, even the ancient Greeks recognize that sarcasm feels like someone is digging into you. Sarcasm is sometimes used as merely a synonym of irony. But the word has a more specific sense. Irony that's meant to mock or convey contempt. This meaning is found in, in its etymology. In Greek, again, they point out, sarcasine is meant to tear flesh or to wound. Look up at me for a moment. Have you ever wounded someone with your words? So there's a correlation between guile and sarcasm. Maybe in our day, blessed is the man in whom the Lord doesn't impute iniquity and in whose heart there's no sarcasm. Amen? Let me finish reading. He says, when you use sarcasm, you really tear into a person. When you say something to a person and you don't mean, you're wounding them. By definition, sarcasm is meant to express content. When you say something sarcastic to someone, it's meant to belittle them. Sarcasm is speech or writing which actually means opposite of what it seems to say. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 3. Ooh, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> so with all of that in mind, we're going to close this series out and uh, uh, finish on this note. In First Peter chapter 3, uh, man, this is a very powerful chapter, actually writing to husbands and wives about relationships. And in 310, he says, for he that will love life and see good days. Anybody here want to love your life and see good days? I can remember, you know, there's people that hate their life. And I've heard people say, I hate my life. And they look at it because of what's going on with them financially, what's going on in their marriage, what's going on with them in their relationships, what's going on in their finances. They have somehow gotten to a place where they hate their life. But the Bible says if you will love life and if you'll see good days, then refrain your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips that you speak no sarcasm. That you, never, that you never say something that you don't really mean. When you get control of your words, you'll start to see the manifestation of what you want and what you say come to pass. 
When you decree a thing, it'll be established. Why? Because you've learned to control your words. You've learned that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And so you've tamed it. You've controlled it. And you keep from speaking evil. Amen? My challenge to you is that when it comes to communication, speak no guile. Don't use sarcasm. Don't say what you don't mean. Was that good for you today? Now, we're concluding rules of engagement and communication. I gave you six. Number one, you can get it on the plaque or sign up for the waiting list. Stop lying and tell the truth. If you choose the anger, if you choose anger, don't sin. Don't give, the, give place to the devil. Keep it clean. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you rule number six today, and that's be nice. Everybody say, be nice. Now, when I talk about be nice, I'm not talking about nice nasty. I guess some of you all have heard that expression. You said it with a smile, but it was real nasty. None of that. Come on now. Somebody say it again. Be nice. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32. Now, this is a part of communication rules. He said, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamorous, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. So this has been a phenomenal teaching. All six of these rules come from Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Direct extracts from the scripture. What I find extremely interesting is that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, God, in other words, has to tell Christian people to be nice to each other. Isn't that an interesting? And as a counselor, man, I, I sometimes I have to tell you, you know, I don't say it. I should. But, you know, be nice. We're trying to work on this. Be nice. Because things can get real nasty when you're not treating each other right. So God says, be nice. Let's talk about it. In communication, be nice about it. Be kind. Speaking calmly without cuss words is not the only ingredient to good communication. Remember, you could speak kindly and break a bone. What are you talking about? In Proverbs chapter 25, 15, you all remember, by forbearing, a prince is persuaded and a soft tongue does what? Okay, you didn't read it. So let's look at it again. It said, by forbearing, a prince is persuaded, and a soft tongue does what? A soft tongue does what? You mean to tell me that I can hurt you quietly with my words? Oh, absolutely. You can cut somebody up without even yelling at them. So... In communication, be nice about it. Speaking calmly, quietly, without cuss words is not the only ingredient to good communication. In the New King James, it says, by, uh, by long forbearances, a, a ruler is persuaded. A gentle tongue, somebody say a gentle tongue, breaks a bone. In Proverbs, I thought, I thought the Bible said that a soft answer turns away wrath. It does. But a soft answer can also crush somebody. So you've got to mitigate that by being nice softly. Okay? 
In Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, whether loud, with cuss words or without, or something sarcastic, or something that's biting or tearing into a person, it only stirs up anger. It's like adding fuel to the fire. In the New Living Translation of 15 and 1, it says a gentle answer. Say that, a gentle answer. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Can't tell you the times I've been in counseling where, again, we're there to make it better. But how you said that, man, just just that now we our tempers are raging. So he says, be nice. Also, he also says not only be nice. He says, be tenderhearted. Somebody say tenderhearted. I looked this up in the Greek and it means compassionate. It means tenderhearted. When I grew up, there was a song. I apologize. It just crossed my mind about a tenderoni. I don't even know why I said that. but <laughs> All right. I guess you grew up and you remember that too. But so the Bible talks about y'all pray for me. Right? I don't know where they come up. Find me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What does it mean to be tender-hearted? It means to be soft-hearted. And in communication, be soft-hearted. The opposite of tender-hearted is actually what? Hard-hearted. And it includes being stiff-necked, which can be the result of bitterness. Ooh, i got to say that again. God is one of the rules. So when you look over and you see this on the wall and your eyes happen to catch, be nice. Remember, that's not nice, nasty. Don't be sarcastic about it. Don't just speak softly, but be speak nicely about it. But also be tenderhearted about it. What happens is, is when somebody hurts you, uh, you, you develop a tougher skin so that they don't hurt you like that again. And what I've seen in, in marriages over months and weeks or years, individuals start building up walls around themselves to protect themselves because you hurt me so bad and you made a vow in your heart. I will never let a human be. I'll never let a woman hurt me like that. I'll never let a man hurt me like that. I'll only love him so far. And so you end up building up this wall. I'll love you from a distance. I'll love you. Come on, I'll trust you as far as I can throw you. But you never. Come on, where's my cement? Where's my mortar? You are never going to have that kind of place in my life to hurt me like that. I will harden myself with you. I'll love this child unconditionally. They could lie. They can cuss. They can smoke reefer. They can do all kind of things. You're not their parent anyway. I'll love them without fail. But you on the... Who am I preaching to? I know. Come on. And I got quiet here. But you on the other hand, you will never... Where's my semen mixing mortar? <laughs> Somebody say he's preaching good today. Man. Sometimes we get into counseling, and it seems like I'm in a moat between two castles, and people looking out. <laughs> they just looking out at one another, waiting for an attack, shooting arrows at each other, right? So let me say this statement one more time. Please take it to heart. I know we're being funny, but this is so serious. God says, be tenderhearted. The opposite of being tenderhearted is being hard-hearted. 
being hard-hearted, which also includes being stiff-necked, you know, where you, you can see it on their face. <laughs> All right, calm down, you know, we're just talking about it. We're, we're <laughs> and, and both hard-hearted and stiff-necked are the result of bitterness. Now watch this. Bitterness is betrayal's baby. Betrayal is when someone you don't expect does something you didn't expect. Betrayal is, is not the stranger on the street. You don't know them, right? They can't betray you. You don't know them. But your boss can betray you. Your coworker can betray you. Your, your, your spouse, they can betray you. They can stab you in the back. And you didn't see it coming. Listen. Bitterness is the result of betrayal. When we got married, I didn't expect for you to treat me like this. I feel betrayed. That's not what I expected. And so, yeah, I'm bitter because of what you did. I didn't expect that. And now bitterness drives my communication rather than the instruction that God gave. Being nice and tenderhearted includes being forgiving. Somebody write that down. Because in, in, in rule number six, you got a couple things. He says, be, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forbearing one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So watch this. So being nice and tenderhearted includes being forgiving. Somebody say being forgiving. When people have crossed a line with you. Um, you know, in reality, we have all crossed a line with God. But in relationship, we often don't take that into consideration. We just look at what this person did and how they manipulated that money situation and we were hurt as a result. But he says, I want you to forgive that person just like God through Christ forgave you. You haven't been perfect all your life where God is concerned. In the same way God's forgiven you, you forgive somebody else. I guess we need to do a series on forgiveness. Amen. So those are the six rules of engagement. I'm done with that part. Put your hands together. Come on. Now, can I give you the last tool? Someone say, yes, Jesus. Amen. Let me give you the last tool. I won't take long, but I, I need you to listen carefully because it takes three tools to fix the problems in relationships. It takes listening on three dimensions. It takes all six of these rules of engagement. And it takes communicating with love and respect. The last tool for your communication tool bag that I want to give you is communicating with love and respect. Maybe the next series that I do on the subject of marriage and relationships will be on the subject of love and respect. It won't be the next series, but the next series I do on the, along this line, maybe sometime next year. But in this, I want to focus simply on communicating with love and respect. This is so important. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, turn there with me. In Ephesians 5.33, it says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and so let the wife see that she respects her husband. In over 20 years of marriage counseling and other kinds of counseling, I'm a certified, licensed uh, counselor. In over all of this time, the greatest book that I ever found on the subject of marriage for my own personal use and to give to help others, is a book written by Emerson Egrich called Love and Respect. He got a revelation from the Spirit of God about Ephesians 5.33. Absolutely phenomenal. Maybe one day I'll do a series just on the subject. But I want to talk to you about uh, communicating with love and communicating with respect, no matter who you're talking to. The basic concept of the book is to tell the husband focus on what's your least strength focus on expressing love to your wife and he tells the wife I want you to focus on what's typically your least strength and that's focus on respecting your husband in other words he tells it in the book that husbands don't have any problem typically respecting their wives. We have a man code where one man will respect another man. We won't interact in certain kind of ways. We won't say certain things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, sir. (laughs) That's my man. Praise God. Stop by the table and get a free T-shirt. Amen. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Get you a Jesus Strong T-shirt. Amen. Thank you, sir. And, 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 And typically, you don't have a problem with a woman expressing love. I mean, she's by nature a nurturer. She, you know, she's a lover born to love, right? But what may be typically her weakness is to express respect. And for the man, what will he be his weakness is expressing love. So God, in his infinite wisdom, just tells us all, all right, husband, love your wife. Now, I'm not talking about like Ed did. God told us to tell the story, came in for counseling. They've been married 40 years. Pastor's only 29 years old comes in for counseling. What are y'all in here for? Y'all ought to be teaching me. And he says, well, the lady speaks. Go ahead. He tells the wife, go ahead. You, you, you reason why we're here. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's fun. It's really fun what I do. You reason why we're here. Go ahead and tell them. You know, well, Pastor Ed don't love me. Now, he's seen Martha and Ed for years. And you had to come to church all the time. He looked at it, and you don't love her. He said, I told her I loved her when we got married, and if anything will change, I'd have told her since. <laughs> Ed didn't tell his wife she loved he loved her in over forty years. And she ready to let him go. See, he didn't say <laughs> so the emphasis in the book is that you've got to express it. You've got to express love to your wife. And in reverse, wives, you've got to express respect. Now, look at the amplified of this verse. I'm almost done. In Ephesians 5, in verse 33, in the amplified, it says, However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in in a sense, his very own self. Then he says to the wife, And let the wife... See that she respects 
and references her husband. He breaks it down. That she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, esteems him, and also that she defers to him, praises him, loves him, and admires him exceedingly. Brothers, say amen to that. Now you see why I took the time, because he really breaks it down. In many cases, you know, some women were like, if he is all of that, then I would be all of that. And God is not telling you to respect that man if he's respectful. He's just telling you to respect him. He's not telling you to express love to her if she's acting lovable. He's just telling you to express love to her. Amen. Now, we'll do a whole series on that, but I've learned over time that both men and women need to be communicated with love and respect. So what do you mean about that, Pastor? Well, when you're having a conversation about the money, because it's not the money that causes divorce. It's not intimacy that causes divorce. It's communication about money. It's communication about intimacy. It's communication about the, what, what's going on with the children. The children don't cause a divorce. Blended family children don't cause divorce. It's the communication about it. Careers don't cause a divorce. It's the communication about it, Right. But what I've learned is both men and women need to be communicated with love and respect. So please make sure that when you are saying that what you are saying is tempered with love and presented with respect. I kind of messed that up. So let me say it again, because it's not the other stuff that causes the breakup. It's the communication about it. So make sure when you're communicating with your child that you're communicating with love and respect. If you want to break a child's heart, communicate with love and without respect in public. Almost at any age, but especially the older they get. Remember, 0 to 12 is training. And from 12 to, to 20 is uh, 0 to 12 is training, 12 to 20 is teaching, and 20 and over is advising. If I were you, I would. Don't tell your grown children what to do. And don't teach them like they're a child. They are grown, 20 and over. But if you want to harden the heart of a child, smack them in public. Yell at them in front of the friends. That's disrespectful. Pastor, how in the world could I ever be disrespectful to that child? I brought that child into this world, and if I will, you embarrass me in public, I embarrass you in public. Oh, now we all cutting the food. Take them in the restroom. Oh, it's quiet. See, it's communicating with love and respect. Even though they've been disrespectful, don't mean you have to be disrespectful. One of the most insulting acts a human can do is to slap someone in the face or to spit in their face. If you've ever been slapped, you know what I'm talking about. I'm thinking about the one time in my life that somebody slapped me. (laughs) I ain't going to tell you about that, though. (laughs) You feel that in the city of your soul. 
it does something to you. Okay? So when you are communicating, you communicate with love and respect. Okay? I know I'm talking strong and this is some, I'm stepping whatever. Come on. But this is so, this is a rule of engagement. This is a tool of communication. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. So the Bible tells us to speak truth in love is what we're talking about. When we talk about communicating with love, we're talking about speaking whatever you say, do it in love. Just like he says, speak the truth in love. When you're communicating, whatever you're communicating, do it in love. Even if you're about to whoop their bottom. Amen. Do it in love and also do it with respect. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 22 says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Discretion as it refers to taste or judgment. Meaning they, they, they don't handle themselves in a very respectful way. Male or female. I close with 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse number eight and nine. He says, finally, and as I close this series. Finally, I say this to you, we've had fun. This has been great. One of the best series ever. I really ask. I I, I don't know. I pray God allows me to, to write a book. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. For those of you online, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm done. It's been very touchy, but but you need this. If you'd have been taught this, how many things in our lives could be so much better? Amen. We can, uh, by using these tools going forward, we can break down those walls and those bitternesses and those hurtful experiences. Come on. We, those, those moments of betrayal, we can get rid of all of that and, and speak from our heart in a very meaningful way. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind. There's that unity again. The reason why they left off building the Tower of Babel is because of how they communicated with one another. They couldn't understand. They they couldn't communicate anymore. And they left off building the Tower. It's interesting then that we finish where we started in a place of unity. And if you want to get on the same page with the folks in your family... Then this is the instruction. Have compassion for one another. What's that? That's that love. That's that tenderness, right? Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Isn't that interesting? This is Peter. We read Ephesians 4. Be kind and to be tenderhearted. That was Paul. He's saying right in the midst of marriage relationships, be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted to your children. Children, be tenderhearted where your parents. Even if they've made mistakes, even if they've acted, whatever. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. What's that? That's respectful. Extend to someone the courtesy they didn't extend to you. Notice he says, it leads right into verse number 9. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil and reveling for reveling. You know, one of the things, the biggest things that I see in marriage relationships is a tit for tat. Oh, you're going to do that? Oh, you're going to be nasty about that? Then I'm going to do nasty about this. Oh, you're going to take d- d- deal with the money like this? Well, then now, okay, see that? Well, I'm going to do this with the money. Oh, you did that? Oh, now I'm going to do that. Oh, come on, somebody. Y'all got to calm down. I'm just trying to make it real plain. This is real. Oh, you're going to act like that? No, I'm going to act like this. You're going to leave food out? I'm going to leave this out. I'm going to do your clothes. Now, that way, say, what is this? 
He said, be courteous even if they're not courteous. Make them dinner. Do something nice even if they're being nasty. He said, don't do evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling. On the counterwise, he says, bless them. Ooh, this is good. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Say something good over their life that's going to enable them to prosper. If they speak bad, if they speak evil, if they speak wrong, speak good. Say something good. Hallelujah. And guess what? You're going to inherit a blessing. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. But say it with love. And say it with respect. In 1 Peter chapter 3, jump down to verse 16 in the New Living. He says, but do this in a gentle and a respectful way. You know, Jesus could be sharp and gentle at the same time. He could be very direct. He, he upbraided his disciples one time. But you know, he did it in a respectful way. He says, but do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, then uh, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So when you're communicating about any issue that comes up, listen on three dimensions. Follow the rules of engagement and communicate in a gentle and respectful way. Don't allow yourself to get caught in the trap of a tit for tat. And if you do these things, you will take your communication to the next level. Was this a good series for you? Come on, stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Was this all right? Did you get anything out of that? Woo! Glory to God. I don't know about you. I'm ready to take communication to the next level. Hold up your hand. I want to speak a blessing as we are dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he keep your feet from falling and cause your prayers to be granted. Be blessed today. If you are visiting, I would love for you to stop by in our our welcome center. It it might take a moment. Uh, If you don't mind just waiting in line, I'll shake your hand.